0: Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at daxmyhand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise, and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary stats.
1: It's like the old Pogue Library at Murray State. You're, is a treasure trove of information, and someday someone's going to stumble upon this and it immortalizes you. This could be the subject of someone's PhD thesis.
0: We have a special treat. I say that every week, don't I? But we do have a special treat this week. A good friend of ours, uh, the Marshall County head soccer coach, Andy Pagel, will be joining us today. Andy, how are
1: you? I'm doing all right. I'm humbled already. <laughs>
0: Well, you you know, a lot of people get that way in the presence of greatness, Absolutely. obviously, so that's understandable. So obviously, let's start with the first question All that right. must be asked. Right. When did you first meet the legend?
1: Oh, wow. I, I think I was, uh, I don't know if I, the first time I saw you, I think I was at football practice and you were a ninth grader, I was an eighth grader, and you were running around the track, running your mile or something, and I just noticed the aura the glow—you've um, probably heard that many times. Indeed, indeed, uh, and and your eyes probably
0: had trouble fixating there on the like twinkle. Was, yes,
1: as I saw stars, but I think I think what it must have been hardest for Lance Gregory because he was most blonde, and then when you came in, you you probably became most blonde. You know, there are probably some other people too, but I think it was hard on Lance. And, you know,
0: when you would see Lance and I from behind, we were the same body type, same size. Yeah. You know, you're thinking, am I seeing twins here? Is it another Lance Gregory? I see
1: him all the time at church, and it still still happens. Sometimes I call him Dax.
0: It happens. And and that's got to make him feel good. Sure it does.
1: I mean, sometimes I sneak one in when I can tell he's having a bad day.
0: So Andy, let's talk a little, you know, uh, one reason we're really excited to have you on here, you are the first soccer guy, soccer coach, soccer player that we've had on the podcast. Can I have
1: some of your time? You can. Okay. You can. Uh, yes, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, a lot of soccer coaches don't, you know, get a lot of recognition. I, I was honored when I ran into you, and we've been friends a long time, and I mean, we're not run, running around every weekend together, but we we spend a lot of time together as you know, sort of teammates and uh, on the same teams, part of the same teams, running around the same circles with a lot of the same people, and same thing with Shane. And I jumped on it because I thought that'd be fun. It seems like a fun thing you've got going here.
0: And, you know, I have to tell you, um, in, we have a large, a really big budget for scheduling guests. Sure. And and we'll let everybody know where I went to find you. We were at the Dollar General Absolutely. In Draftonville. That's where legends hang out.
1: They, yes. Yes. Like three times a week. <laughs> That's right. And you, like that. and you know, you and I have another
0: common bond beyond sports. Uh, I'm going to brag a little bit here. Okay. But
1: I uh, think our, I know where you're going with this. our
0: children were Mr. and Mrs.
1: North Marshall. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Miss there. But, Miss. But, we'll take that. I will too. Uh, I'm proud of her. Uh it's funny because our, 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 I know I've seen our kids grow up together, and they i, I they have great work ethic, and I think we probably re- have the same values and the same goals in the way we raise them, and I'm really proud of her. I don't think sometimes she feels like she is one of the popular kids or fits in, but maybe, I don't know, I, I like to think that maybe she's kind or there's something about her that people like, and, and I hope that continues. I hope that people respect her, and I hope she doesn't sell out, but... I don't think that's the case in either one of our kids, so I am proud of both of them.
0: Yeah, they're good kids, and, and you know, uh, they set the bar at the school. They're, you know, I know when I get home, if uh, Blake has been in a class or taking a test, one of the first questions my wife asks is, well, what did Hadley Powell Oh, really? Make?
1: Yes. Well, you're, you're, Blake's name comes up a lot, too. I mean, the, the circle, you know, the kids that came through Central and, and through North, they have a really good reputation, I already tell the teachers, as a high school teacher, we we identify early. This is a good class coming through. And I think uh, we're graduating a good senior class that had a lot of depth, and it shows up in athletics and in academics. I think we could possibly see that again. And we, and I've seen freshmen and sophomore classes lead the school, and this class could possibly be one of those good ones. I don't want to jump the gun yet, but... I I see good things in that whole entire class because there are a lot of kids that can really do a lot of have a lot of talent in that grade.
0: Well, uh, Andy, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we talked about how we met and, um, you know, and and we our first really, I guess, our first common bond was probably basketball. Probably uh, one of the first ones. And uh, talk about your role with the basketball team and how it evolved. Uh, we'll, We'll kind of go into that first.
1: I loved basketball. I just wasn't ever that good. I feel like I probably didn't hit my stride until about my junior year athletically. So by then, you know, I got kind of – I was passed up, if you will, but I'm not upset about that. But, you know, I think it was – I was in the eighth grade. You were in the ninth grade. We both played for Coach Jones, and we shared practice courts. And I don't think a foul was ever called at any of those practices where they – (laughs)
0: and, <laughs> you know, the rumor is you have to play defense to foul someone, so I probably for sure never There's fouled no anyone. in defense. Exactly. That was
1: you, you and Jeff's big <laughs> saying, you and Spud. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, but you're right. It was basketball. And then, uh, you know, I, I signed up for athletic PE back when you could have that with my friend Will, and I didn't really. Now give him a shout-out, Will. Will Myrick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Will, Will's got multiple myeloma right now he's uh. he's got a a blood-borne cancer and if you know will you should pray for him he's had it for about five and a half years he's he's thriving and he's following his kids around doing baseball he's up in michigan with his wife and and he's he's doing well i mean he's 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 not working but he's thriving and moving well with it
0: you know a funny funny story about will not really about will but it involves him uh, when I got out of college, I went to Tupelo, Mississippi and uh-huh. worked at a factory. Okay. And so I was walking around the factory one day, and I saw this guy that looked really familiar to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I got to talking to him, and I asked him his name, and it was his last name was Myrick. And I said, you know, it's crazy because you look a lot like this guy Mm -hmm. that I went to high school with named Will Myrick. And he said, yeah, that's my cousin.
1: Okay. And
0: and I was like, anyway, uh, I believe his name was Barry
1: Myrick. Paducah, I think, are they all from there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Will's still my best friend. We don't stay in touch like, you know, guys don't always stay in touch well as we should. But anyway, I I joined that class with him, and I didn't really have designs on trying out, but here I am in this class, so I must be trying out. I, I got cut that year, my sophomore year. I tell people, yeah, I got cut from basketball, but the team beat Oak Hill that year. So it was a pretty special team that you played for, and I served water to that those couple of years. But you know, you guys were an
0: integral part, and we, you know, we've already spoke to Tony Bohannon, who uh, was with uh, us, another manager absolutely. on the team. Told you this at Dollar General. We've already made the comment that. We felt like if there was a manager national championship in basketball, you guys would have won. <laughs> we
1: we always wish there would be at least a regionals or something. We would have had a good time with it because, I mean, we we felt like we were part of the team. What the good thing about it, I guess, is the fact that three or four of us got cut, and we had the love of the game. But we we were around and we can semi participate and have a little credibility. I didn't jump out as much as some, but we just we got to do a lot of things. And when you spend that many hours, and I know you and the other players were tighter. But, you know, when you spend that much, many hours on buses and on rides and I'm um, waiting, that was when there was one gym and you had to wait around and just clown around and watch TV and, you know, visit. You, you, you form bonds and they don't go away. And, you know, that's a little bit of shared suffering there together too. You know, you and just to toot
0: your horn, you know, there was a, a
1: legend here who could not dunk a basketball yet – you a couldn't. girls a girls ball. I if had. you put some sticky <laughs> and if the brim was bent down the front a little bit, I think it was the one that was closest to the press box near the you know, the loudspeaker. But hey,
0: a dunk is a dunk, right? I'm
1: you know, I I really almost threw down at Race Arena that one time and I usually of my problem is I tried to start at the free throw line, Michael Jordan and I just never quite get there. I, I did have a good vertical. I I, I kinda just it kinda started Playing many hours at the nine the nine foot goal in Calvert, when people used to just meet up there by the droves, and I just realized I could jump one day, and that was my ticket in college too as a defender. I got a lot of the balls out of the air with my head. That was what I've always done well until I got older, and that's one of the first things that can leave you the timing and the verticality. But uh, you know, that yeah. was that was carried me a long way let me let
0: me tell a quick story about what i the first, my first memory of soccer okay I, you know I was not raised uh I was raised in reedland we've mm-hmm. talked about and and I was never really around soccer and I remember the first time that I ever played soccer you know I was pretty much good at everything i'd ever sure. played i it was good athlete. It, it came easy to sure. me. And they said we were going to play uh, soccer during P.E. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, you know, I'm sure I'll dominate this sport, too. And uh, pretty quickly, you know, uh, Andy Wyatt. Yes. uh, Some of of you guys uh, from the soccer team let me know real quick I was on an alien surface.
1: Well, it's a different kind of sport. And when, you know, kids come and they want to play late in their career, like I get a few. Or maybe they haven't played now since maybe third grade. But I always worry, I, think, I hope they can get back into it. How about maybe goalkeepers where they can break in a little bit easier? But it's different, and, and Andy Wyatt and Scott Howard and Scott Phillips and that bunch, uh, Brad and Brian, and I can think of them now. And they were the, they were seniors for our first regional championship team and led us then, and w- the core, we as juniors came back. And we were the – I can't say we are the pioneers because actually it was – danny conrad and a few of those guys joe shoal they played a crude form of soccer about five years before we did but we kind of had the first winning season the first regional championships and we kind of got the ball rolling and you know but it was still young then i mean we have we've gone through our ebb and flow a few times since then talk about what first got you into soccer when did you first start playing well i was a fifth grader in south texas and uh I was a goalkeeper then, and I I was a football player first. I mean, I lived in Texas. You start playing tackle football at age seven, and I was pretty good at it. And uh, I don't know, just something about when I moved here. I I just noticed soccer was growing, and Richard Colburn kind of took an interest in me. We have the stadium named after him now and his Mm -hmm. wife. It's Richard and Melinda Colburn Stadium uh, in the last three years, last four years. He just kind of took us under his wing. He showed interest, and there weren't complicated rules about clubs and certifications and all that stuff we just played and I I didn't dislike football I just kind of saw and it it just time for me to leave the game I guess and I just saw where soccer was going and I didn't really play high school my first year until my sophomore year and I always consider myself like more of a football basketball baseball guy and I just I just kind of fell in love with the game and it's taken me a lot of places.
0: Yeah. We're talking with Andy Pagel here, uh, Marshall County's uh, head soccer coach. Yeah, Andy, uh, talk to us about uh, your high school career, some of your memories. You know, I mentioned, I know you mentioned uh, winning the first regional in Is the that, school history. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of go through that with us.
1: Well, it was really exciting and we it just kind of unfurls. Some of the greatest seasons we've had and maybe you've been a part of these are the ones you don't go in with the highest expectations. It just kind of unfolds. And as a, a sophomore, we got out there, and uh, we had the first winning team, and we, we knew we had a, a core to come back our junior year. It's hard to win a region with sophomores in any sport, but when you get to a good group of juniors, you can win. And we felt like the core was juniors, but we had the support of the guys I mentioned. And we were, gosh, we we got thumped a few times during the season by some regional rivals. But then come tournament time, the, uh, in the opposite bracket uh, the right team won and eliminated the team that gave us trouble and that was Fort Campbell we faced them in the finals and we just you know just an upstart program just kind of stole our first regional championship my junior year it was amazing and then we went to Owensboro and got thumped five to nothing mm-hmm. by a team that really knew what they were doing and of course Steve's son was doing the best he could with us he uh, he'll admit he was a first coach, and he he's got a special they recorded him on WCBL yeah. a year or two. Yeah, ago. I
0: listened to it the other day. Uh-huh. And,
1: uh huh. And the man deserves a lot of credit, and I give him a lot of. I should give him more credit for what he's done for me in the program, and he got us going. And my senior year, we were all coming back, we're excited, and the team. And I think the school had a little bit like you're talking about. There was a little excitement generated, and then the next year we were seniors, there was a lot of gener- uh, excitement generated. We had our first radio broadcast which we still have and we had some things that soccer programs just don't have and it's we won then and of course we wanted to go back to state and get to the final four and we absolutely we did that and lost 1-0 in a heartbreaker to a montgomery county team that had been there three years in a row and we were just so close of it the blessing that was there was not in what we did and by the way there's a lot of coaches and people that have hatched that from that like joey barrett is a Top-notch Florida youth club program coach uh, Aaron is in basketball, but yeah, uh, sever- yeah, Aaron, Aaron, mm-hmm. all-time leading scorer in the state. And we we had a good time in practice. I was actually the number three guy on the team, probably. Mm-hmm. William Myrick was the number two, and what the beauty of it was, the kids behind us caught on. And now I'm talking about the kids that are five, six, seven years younger than I am, and they're the ones who got the ball rolling with the numbers and taking the program to new heights and winning more regional championships and that was our legacy it was the good news that soccer took me places i got selected to be on a i would say qu- kind of like a kentucky all-star team uh the story is will will checked his mail and he was invited and he was excited and i hadn't checked my mail and i thought well, I, I didn't want to go and i went and we checked my mail with joe to the post office and there mine was will and i and a guy from callaway from western kentucky got invited and it was meant to be. Will and I or went to Kentucky Wesleyan College. We went together there, and it's worked out. It's gotten me to Europe and some other experiences, and and it's get you know helped me get a co- a teaching job as well. And mm-hmm. it's just been a blessing for me
0: talk about some of the coaches that and and maybe some of the influences they they had on you in different ways through the years
1: wow that's a good question i think about this quite regularly i I mentioned coach sun and coach sun really wasn't our x's and o's guy and and no one's going to argue that but let me
0: interrupt you i heard on the podcast he
1: never played soccer knew nothing about soccer he could tell us to pass in triangles because he was the geometry teacher but but that is the basic yeah. that's what it breaks down to in ba in and probably in basketball too is that your your triangles. I give him a I should give him more credit, like I said, and uh influenced by him. Uh the man who took me from to Europe, his name is Rick Kazee. he was a good influence on me. Uh, Roy Che, my first college coach, and then Dale McDale uh Helfrick, my second college coach, really took us my knowledge of it to another level and he's now the head coach at Trinity oh. in Louisville. Don Walker, as his assistant, I watched him operate. I learned how to take the lumps. Don Walker, who was the coach for 20, 21 years, one of the all time winningest, I would get frustrated by him because he wouldn't maybe not address certain things I thought he should address, but he was a humble guy. He didn't, you know, strike back at his critics, he, he let things roll you know off and i i'm not saying he was lenient i'm just saying he he understood that you don't get fiery and you just stay the course and and those kind of things but alan hatcher was a big you know watching him coach and watching the preparation we do a lot of preparation far more than most high school coaches do with film breakdown and things like that and i saw him work and he's he was an influence for sure.
0: Yeah, he. You know, he's he's come up a lot in our podcast, Coach Hatcher. Sure, he's
1: influenced a lot of people in our age group, as was Coach Bach. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm.
0: We're talking with uh, Andy Pago here, Marsh County uh, Boys Soccer Coach. So, I guess, um, what was it that made you want to be a coach? What, was there a moment, or
1: what do you? Well, because I pulled up here and I, I noticed this is a CAD. This is this business hatched from. The same classroom. I think I was in my junior year. Shane and John senior year, and I was all my life. I was going to be a an architect or a blueprint drawer and a and a builder or some type of civil engineer or something. I just from a kid was a math science minded kid. But when it converted over to computers, it just kind of turned me off. And the excitement that the soccer team generated my senior year. Made me think about midseason. This I want to come back here and remember we were in in infancy then, and I want to. I was hoping it would be four years when I was a head coach or five, but it ended up being more like fifteen or sixteen. That's how God works sometimes. Yeah. But I appreciated it more now. But I thought I want to do this and I want to teach and um, I liked history and ever since I made up that mind, I don't remember the exact moment and date. I never have looked back, and I, I feel like it's been the right thing for me all along.
0: Is your role as the coach, what what do you feel the most important
1: thing that you do for the kids or that the mm-hmm. kids do for you? What is what is the well, biggest thing you get out of it? You know, as a coach, I'm a teacher first, and, and Michael Boone, the girls' coach, we are full-time, full-class load teachers, and I teach – all advanced placement classes, and that takes a lot out of me. But on the field, I always consider myself a teacher. And there's something about relationships. I don't coach out of fear. Um, I feel like I'm approachable. When I hear someone say, my son's afraid to talk to you, I'm a little excited because I I appreciate that and appreciate the respect, but I also don't want to be that person. But I know that's a healthy respect. I think where I really try to do is understand that they need me to get where they want to go and i need them to get where i want to go and with soccer it's a really a and i hate to use this collaborative term because it it's kicked around so much but it's a collaborative effort i've got to get their feedback because i do the work at practice and i try to put put the scenarios out there that they're going to run into in a game and i'll manipulate the variables to get what i want out of a practice because I can't tell them except for corner kicks and free kicks, you stand here, you make this run. It's free-flowing. There are no timeouts. So my job is really done at practice. And so during the game, you'll see a lot of exchange, and they, the kids have to, I have to make them decision-makers. I have to empower them. And for me to empower them, it's a little bit different. It's not like you're rah-rah football, to some extent baseball, not as much, but at basketball. Their kids can't be in a fishbowl, and they love that because their coach, coaches can ruin it for them, but sometimes I coach better when I coach the least, and the kids are drawn to that. It doesn't mean I never get on to them. It doesn't mean that we're a pushover. I know soccer is the sport where they, if you listen to ESPN radio or college sports, they're like, we don't want to be like soccer where you everyone gets a trophy and gets a snack at the end of the game. You know, I hate when they say that because, and I hate flopping, and American soccer players hate flopping just because you see it on the some of the South Americans. But
0: and basketball seems to have taken that over. American
1: basketball players are much bigger floppers than American soccer players.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you know, you know, and and. Again, watching you guys was the first soccer that I was ever mm-hmm. really exposed to. Most people. Yeah. I've watched some World Cup, uh, mm-hmm. especially when the Americans are involved. Sure. I want to – you know, it's the nationalistic sure. pride. Sure. And, and I have seen what you're talking about on the flopping, you know, where nothing happens and a guy falls down and uh, it's frustrating. screams makes, bloody murder. Uh,
1: we, we will pull our kids off the field if they do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that won't happen. And, and you don't see that around here. And you don't see that generally in the American game either, even the even the – at the World Cup level, there's something about we're not going to be that way. Yeah,
0: well, and I would I would ask you this. And this is kind of a little bigger than us here in Marshall County, but what what condition would you say American soccer is in right now? Um, where where it needs to be,
1: or just you when? You, I don't know because just when you think they're going to break through and be that top ten team in the world. They run into a, a Poland or a Romania, and you think, well, we should just whip up on them, or Slovenia. And we're talking about kids, people that have played it all their lives. And, you know, what if Derek Jeter and LeBron played soccer? It would be different. Yeah. You know, our, our soccer players are about our – we have a large pool of athletes, but we're not where our, our best athletes are playing soccer. We get that. It's coming in a little bit more and more. Uh, Michael Bradley is an incredible athlete, and you've got to respect him when you watch him. Tim Howard is phenomenal. But there aren't enough of those. And the Germans and those guys, those guys are the top Athletes, those places have to offer generally. Because
0: I was going to say, I last time I checked, the Germans have not won a World Series yet. Is that correct?
1: They haven't, and I I don't think that anyone's talking about it either. I think the Dutch have come closer. The, they have. The Dutch have uh, in the World and, Championships Curaçao, Yeah, I've seen the Dutch. Yes, that's my favorite uh, World Soccer team, other than the Americans too. But it, it's well, the Dutch. Yes. So what is it about the Dutch? culture you like? it's a culture and. And it's something that they do down there or up there, I guess you could say. When they do their youth programs, they have what they call an academy where it's kind of like P.E. with a soccer ball, and they don't have teams early. They just go and they play. Here's the thing. Everyone wants to claim our little kids when they're five years old. And I would be happy if we all said, you know what, let them not play in a single league until they're seven or eight. Yeah. But the cat's out of the bag. Either they're in gymnastics when they're three or – For crying out loud, we have under four soccer kids are in diapers. It's awful, and we have it, and I am part of it. You
0: know, when we talk about, you know, you've built a program, or you help, you are you are a part of a program that has been built, and you are a large part of it. A lot of us have been part of it. In a perfect world, how would the the youth programs of Marshall County that feed your high school? How would they work?
1: Well, we tried it one time, and we lost numbers like dramatically because people want to be affiliated with a team. With the, what are you talking about versus the European style? Mm-hmm. The kids in the European style would go and they would – and we did it here for, for a season or two, and we lost numbers. But you wouldn't be assigned a coach, but there would be coaches out on the field and the first six kids in that age group that showed up would go to a certain coach. And there was I, – I was the uh, organizer of it and I developed a curriculum and all the coaches had the same practice plan. And the idea was they would – learn the technical skills and at the end they would all scrimmage and no one would ever be on the bench well people we start losing people and they want a team and they want a color and they want a coach and they don't care if half the kids are sitting on the sideline at a given time so we've done that and even though it's not the best option our numbers have tripled in the last couple three years and we've gone to the high the elementary schools and Done some demonstrations and gotten out there and gotten a lot of kids.
0: Again, we're here with Andy Pagel, Marshall County uh High School soccer coach. I would say, as an outsider looking in, we've got pretty good facilities here in Marshall County. We, we, I know we've got Mike Miller Park with Absolutely. fields. Mm-hmm. Calvert, I know there are fields. Of course, yes. your high,
1: your uh, high school fields second are second nice. to nowhere. Really, I mean, we've I've been to UK soccer fields and I've been to U of L soccer fields, and U of L is state of the art, brand new. Our surface is better our uh, dugouts and bleachers aren't of course the capacity or quite as nice but everything else i mean for a high school program i don't know that i've ever seen a better facility and our football facilities are great too and uh, the baseball field looks beautiful and i tell you we we have some david palmer and his crew of groundskeepers michael cross are fabulous they take so much pride so, so Andy, mm-hmm. as, a, as a coach,
0: you know, I know you served a, a quite a few years as an assistant. Sure. Um, About 13? 13 years as an know, assistant. Something like that. What was the biggest thing you took out of that? You know, because I know you had dreams of being a head sure. coach, as most people who get in coaching do. I'll,
1: almost every assistant coach should have those aspirations because you want more. And I've seen people uh, get fired because they didn't have the aspiration. And, like, you know, I don't want you to be my assistant if you don't want to be a head coach someday, because you're just too content. But I did. And, and, but it made me hungrier and more hungry. And it made me want to see the vision that I had and that I would put together. And it allowed me to grow as a person and of course, get my kids older and build up my marriage a little bit more. I mean, that's hard. You know, those kind of things are hard on a marriage and on a family. And so you got to get that foundation and and during that time, there was a four-year period that I I left high school coaching. I, I just felt like I was spinning my wheels, so I took some other avenues. And I became a deacon during that time. I think that was kind of God's way of making me get closer to Him. And then it was like a year and a half later, or a year later, I the opening came up, and you know, here I am.
0: It's amazing how that happens when you. All oh, right. When you when you seek Him, how things absolutely work out, and it? it's
1: yes, you're right. And and my timetable was not God's timetable, and and I said that in the interview. I said, you know, I'm I'm not God's gift to soccer, but that's how God has gifted me, and where He's gifted me, it's helped me out in so many ways, and it helps me get perspective. And I'm an older person. I see a lot of young coaches do a lot of screaming and yelling and ultimatums and. You know, the more you start doing those kind of things, the more you paint yourself into a corner, I think sometimes people will think, why does he let this happen or let that happen? Because uh, you, you've got to keep your eyes on the the bigger picture of things, and every team is different, needs to be treated a little differently. And What has been the biggest
0: surprise to you or the thing that kind of shocked you becoming a coach that you didn't anticipate? The head coach? Yeah. Oh. You've been listening to part one of Dax's interview. To hear the rest of the interview, click on the part two at DaxMyHand.com.